podcast where we talk about things with one super special guest every week. Just sit back, relax, and hear us speak on This Is Happening, the podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to This Is Happening. This is one of your hosts, Nathan Streifel. And this is Eric Morris. Hi, welcome. Hello, welcome. <laughs> Today we are joined by the fantastic drummer... Uh, Ryan McMillan, who has been in a band called The Push Stars, which started out in the 90s, and is making a long-awaited comeback soon with a new album and recording music, and we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later. And he's also recorded with a band and, and performed, toured with the band Matchbox 20, and has just had a long, consistent career as a drummer. Um, which is not easy to do, I imagine. Welcome, Ryan McMillan. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for coming. Yeah, it's good to have thanks you. For, thanks for coming. I want to give a little shout out to the person that brought us together, mm-hmm. Jess Gorell. Yes. The, the, the lovely and haunting Jess Gorell. <laughs> Thank you, Jess. <laughs> thanks, Thank Jess. You. Hope hey, you're, Jess. Hope you're listening. If you're not listening to this one, I don't know what it would take for you to get to listen to it. And I have to shout out to my mom's. One of my mom's best friends, Shannon, who's obsessed with Matchbox 20. Oh, yeah? And so when I told my mom <laughs> that we were going to interview somebody connected to Matchbox 20, her her, uh, her friend freaked out. So, hey, Shannon. Hopefully, hey, Shannon. I think she's listening to this. We're getting to that age, Ryan. I'm actually older than you are. But um, <laughs> we're getting to that age where people say, like, oh, my mom is a huge uh-huh. fan of yours. <laughs> 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 I actually, I grew up listening and enjoying Matchbox 20 myself in my own right, but I was much younger I know. than my mother. <laughs> it, does, it does happen, you know, you're not like just out of college playing yeah. bars around totally. Boston. <clears throat> that, that actually happened recently when um, we did, the Push Stars did like uh, maybe a week of shows in October, September, October. Oh yeah? And uh, we hadn't toured in a long time, so it was kind of... You know, it was just fun to, to be back doing it and, and see all these people I haven't seen in years. But along the way, we met some people that were like, oh, my God, Mom, I grew up listening to you. My mom loves you. You know what I mean? So, we're there. Yeah, no we're there. Doubt. We're no there. Doubt. So, yeah, generations. Just what happens. Generations in your audience. Yeah. Multi-generations yeah. coming to see the push start. So that's good. I'm glad, yeah. I'm glad your mom's a huge fan. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so where are you from? You're from Boston originally? Born and raised in Boston. Well, actually, I grew up in a town called Newton. City, Newton, which is just outside of Boston. So is that just like a suburb type It's situation? actually a city. Okay. Um, and it has... But it seems much like a suburb. I know yes. Newton really well. You know Newton, okay, yeah. Uh, I, my, my parents' best friends, you know, uh, lived in Newton. Mm-hmm. Um, someone they went to college with, and then her husband, and then the husband divorced, and they moved out of Newton. I haven't ever been back. Right. But in the 70s, I went to Newton all the time. Oh, okay. Um, and it's a nice little town. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful there. Yes, Very so close siblings? to Boston. Yeah. Uh, yes, I have a, a brother and a sister, and then I have a lot of half-siblings as well. Okay, were your so. parents uh, separated when you were growing up? Or? No, but my dad had had... A previous... Pre- he, had, he had many children along his path. Uh, several families. <laughs> yes, scattering several families. children. <laughs> scattering children yeah. throughout the eastern yeah. seaboard and beyond. And, and was also... He, he passed away when I was about 10, but his, oh. but his um, other kids are... Much older, but he was. When I was born, he was fifty-six. Oh wow! Okay, wow. And still yeah. going strong. And still going still strong. at it. Yeah, and my oldest sister is older than my mom. Wow! Wow! <laughs> he was crazy. Just he was <laughs> so funny. He was a wild man. What did he do? Also a drummer. Oh, he was a drummer too. Not, not professionally, but he but, but he, he drummed. Drum. He did play drums. That's that how like... I got started. Oh, yeah. so did he, he have a drum set at the house? Or? Yeah, yeah. So he actually brought he brought a drum set home. I think it was actually my brother John's drum set, um, and he was older and didn't play it. And my dad was, you know, had been playing it at, at like I think he was going to like church meetings or groups or something. Mm-hmm. He was uh, in recovery, and um, so he brought the the drums home for my brother Mike to kind of get him into it and my brother wasn't really that interested he was like he five, years old. He he five years old yeah he was just like 
didn't really care. But I was obsessed with it, and I couldn't. I actually couldn't play it because I was too little. I was probably three years old when he brought it home. Oh wow! And um, but I had always been into music and been listening to music since the time I can remember. I mean, I just was obsessed with music always, listening to records. And um, so I think for Christmas that year. My grandmother got me like a little drum set, like a, oh, like that's a so kid's cute. Yeah, yeah. drum set. And so I just played on that until I could, was tall enough that I could play his drum set. What's a kid's, does it have like a cymbal and a, and a snare and a bass? Or? Yeah, it's like, has, it has a kick drum. And, yeah, it's like it just a re- regular drum set, but just scaled down a little. So that so they can sit in front of it. And With little mini drumsticks? Totally. That's awesome. So he had he had given me like a practice pad, just like a rubber pad, and mm-hmm. showed me some things. And I, I just was, you know. I oh, was I'm off, sure the rubber pad is way great for parents. <laughs> <laughs> totally. But yeah, so I started playing really young. I, I mean, I think I I think it was around three that I that I started. You know. And was it like self-taught, or were you getting I was, taught I, by your dad? I took some lessons. I remember taking lessons when I was in elementary school, mm-hmm. like early, like first grade or something, from from a friend or uh, someone in the neighborhood. A dr- he was a drummer older, about five years older than me, mm-hmm. and ironically lived in my in the house that oh, my so mother he was like grew 12, up in. Oh, so like twelve, and you were like yeah. seven. Yeah, not like yeah. He was probably, I think he was still in. In element, he might have been in like sixth grade, and I was in so yeah, I'm just like teaching. Yeah, but he was really good. <laughs> yeah, a great, yeah, yeah. great player. So, but yeah, ironically, he he lived in the house that my mother grew up in. So oh. I was taking lessons at his house, at my mother's old house. Oh wow! Yeah, which is kind of wild. That is kind of wild. Um, and he's now he still plays drums. His name Frank his name is Frank Heiss. He he teaches at Berkeley, I think now. Oh, very cool. So I studied with him for a little while, and then. I kind of just went off on my own and just would listen to records and play along to them and mm-hmm. kind of taught myself. And then I had a teacher, another teacher named Matt Gordy, who was like, who taught in the schools. And so I studied with him off and on through school. Did you do like marching band and concert <clears throat> band? I did all of that. Marching yeah. band, concert band, jazz band. I Pet band. Huh? Pet band? <laughs> yeah. I was in every band too. I played sousaphone in marching band. Oh, really? Okay. Before you, yeah. Did, what did you play in marching band? Snare drum. Oh yeah, of course mm-hmm. you did. I hated it. You didn't I, like I, it. I barely did. I did. I maybe did like half a year of it. And I well, you like, have to wear an annoying outfit, right? It's, I don't it seems think. Hot. I don't remember. No. no, I don't remember wearing an outfit. Usually so. they have a uniform. Yeah, but oh, I remember yeah, like yeah, having yeah. to march in a parade once, and it was super hot and. Yeah. And going to, I just wasn't. I just was like, I don't know. I don't. I'm not into this. I Were you in a band at that point, or no? I, I think the first band I was in was maybe seventh grade, seventh or eighth grade. You know, That's junior high. Started a band. I That's started a band when I was maybe eight. You know, yeah, we, it's true. We, we were like, I mean, I were, you know, I remember drum pads and stuff. Like, we all were kind of like learning instruments at the same time. Mm-hmm. And yes, yeah, so you can tell we're in our hermetically sealed studio with sounds of car horns. <laughs> LA's helicopter. Soon will be friendly helicopter. <laughs> anyway, um, but we were all learning instruments at the same time, and people just gravitated to different things. I, I, I might have been seven, mm-hmm. um, but we formed a band called the Stingrays, which we did all through high school. Um, I mean, through from seven years old to high school. I had no idea the Stingrays started when you were seven. <laughs> you recently played in a wedding or something, didn't you? It wasn't that. It was maybe fifteen years ago. Okay, we, so not super recent. We um, we did we did a little reunion song at a, at a <laughs> wedding um, because my friend Andy was getting married and he was he had been in a band called the Vestrymen and then he had a band called Mommy in New York and Rene Risquet and the Art Lovers. I don't know why I'm recounting his entire. Um, <laughs> Get him. <laughs> we sh- we should, but. Um, representatives of all of his bands were there at the wedding and they were all playing 
And so I said, Andy, what about the stingrays? I mean, hello. We were all there. We're here. Um, <laughs> Let's make and it. And they had all, he had like rehearsed with all the other bands. And I was like, uh, we need to figure something out. So I wanted to play did. drums when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. And my dad was a trumpet player. Oh. And he talked me out of it. He was like, you don't want to play drums. He just didn't want the noise. Probably yes. not. He was For like, sure. you want to play trumpet. You want to. <laughs> I, like, I mean, okay. that's like it was actually Andy's brother John who was our drummer, and we rehearsed at their house because that's where the drum set was. Yeah. You know, so like, um, and they were very nice to like yeah. let us have their little den and close the door. Right. And um, does it suck having to play an instrument that's so very difficult to be mobile? It, it can be. Yeah. Sometimes I like when I'm packing up. I'm just like, oh man, I should have. Did you ever play anything else? You should have played the piccolo. I don't know where you played anything. Harmonica. Were you, when you were young, did you, you Um, just gravitated to drums? I played, we had a piano and I played, I took some lessons and I played piano a little bit, but it just didn't come as naturally to me as the drums. Like, I don't know why, but the drums just came, and maybe probably because I had been doing it more. Right. But I just was really into it. And I'm not, I can't read music well and I'm Mm. not, um. Like, that was always a struggle for me growing up, like, taking lessons and trying to learn, you know, reading patterns and stuff like that. It's just mm. not, for some reason, I don't know, I have some learning disabilities or something, but I just am not good at it. Where if you, I could watch somebody play something and pick it up and do it right away. Hear I feel it, like that's such a talent. Yeah. But, I like, if you, I could play something for you, someone could write it out, and if they gave me that sheet of paper and said, play this... I wouldn't be able to fit. <laughs> <laughs> so right, when you create right. music, it's all in your head. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Do you just write listen. a lot? Um, no. I mean, like, only in terms of, of drumming. You know, I write right. that way. You create the drum part part for, for a song. Yeah. But I'm very sensitive to the melody of the song and the lyrics. And I'm always listening to the singer and what they're yeah singing about or what mm-hmm. the song is about uh and match so, that mood yeah or try, yeah, yeah tr- just try to stay out of the way of it yeah just be complimentary to it and not i've never thought of myself as like wow look at me drum come check out how i can drum you know it's interesting like i was listening to a bunch of the push star songs and, and this is probably typical of any song i just happened to listen because i was listening for the drumming mm-hmm. um in, in, in anticipation of having you on and a lot of the songs start with like a verse or part of a verse where there's no drumming you mm-hmm. know and you just really kind of get into the song you hear the lyrics a little bit yeah. and then you come in and build um, and I thought that was interesting I mean you're not it's not drawing massive attention to yourself but yeah. it's very solid and I'll be, and and good and and you know you've obviously been really well regarded Thank was that was the push Stars, your first band? Um, well, no, you must it, have been in a band before. No, I mean, I was in a band before that. that. But it was the first, like, you know, I guess, original, all original, kind of professional. Band. Oh, okay. So you're doing covers. So I was just, yeah, like in, in junior high school, you know, my friends, we would get together and we'd play cover tunes and play at the school right. dance. Or, I mean, yeah, ridiculously, you know. almost all of the... Uh, Stingray songs were originals. Oh, um, really? <laughs> <laughs> My but first name was Clairvoyance. That we, was oh, that's a good name. We did... Um, Clairvoyance. We did end up covering some songs. We played some Cars songs. Mm. Um, love the Cars. Love the Cars. Yeah. I do too. Did you go to college? I did not. Cool. Did. So no. what did you do after you went to so it was it was, I guess, after I graduated, I was working at this stereo store in Boston called Tweeter. Tweeter. Do you remember that? For times like these, Tweeter. That was their like. What it was it? Tweeter. For times like these. That was their song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, was, it a, it was, was it for car? It stereos? was like a high end okay. stereo store. Okay. So, just oh, sure. Okay. Yeah, like they they. It started off like a super high end, very like high fidelity, just you know, only stereos, and then they started carrying like car audio and TVs and, you know, it would be like Best Buy, but it was kind of, you know, right. like a higher end version of Best Buy. It doesn't exist anymore. Did but that start in high school? Like a high school gig or? It was, so right after high school. So yeah, I was like 18 or 19 I was working there. And you were really into music, so yeah. that kind of made sense. I love music. Yeah. yeah. And I just like, <clears throat> my teachers tried to get me to go to Berkeley or go to music school 
Yeah. But I just, I have been, I don't know. I just had this feeling like I don't want to do that. I just want to, I just need to play. I just need to mm-hmm. find people to play with and start playing. I'm like, just do it. I think that's a good instinct. I mean, you know, I think um, Berkeley is great. Um, I don't know if it's necessary preparation for being in a rock band. No. I mean, you know, I mean, yeah. So. And, you know, who knows? I mean, I could have, who knows what, what path that would have led me down had I done that or the people I would have met or, you know, whatever. Sure. But, um, but yeah, it just wasn't for me. And I was like done with school and I just didn't. I just, you know, I'm, I, I could, I barely made it through high school, you know, because I, I literally just wanted to play drums all the time. So then, at some point, you were at the Middle East, yes, um, and met um, the what's what the Middle Chris, East? Yeah. What, it's like a bar, bar where in they Boston. have bands in Boston. Um, yeah. Okay. Cool. But I saw a, a YouTube video of you and the Push Stars playing. Oh. Okay. Um, and there was a little banter before one of the songs, and it was and I was it is it Ryan? No, no, you're Ryan. I'm Ryan. Um, Chris. Sorry, Chris yeah. said it's where he met Ryan. Yeah. Um, at Right at that bar. Yeah. Um, we met in the upstairs bakery. <laughs> but that, actually, that that meeting was very, how that all came together was very bizarre. Because yeah. I, was dri- I was driving one afternoon, it was like two in the afternoon, I'm driving down in Central Square, and I see this, it's kind of raining out a little bit, and I see this woman hitchhiking, like just on the street. She was attractive. <laughs> and I pulled over and she got in the car and then two other people got in the back seat. Oh, you were just picking her up. Yeah. And yeah, I was like, oh, and I was like, oh, what's going on? Yeah. yeah. But I'm like, it's the middle of the day. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm a kid, whatever. So this guy uh, sitting in the back seat was like, they were very thankful. They were, they were all obliterated and they were going back to their house, which was basically around the corner. Um, but this guy, his name was Mickey Clean. Mickey Clean? Yeah. Mm, and sounds he, like a criminal. <laughs> and he said sounds that like he, a mob member. Yeah. <laughs> he said that he played, had played it with a band called The Liars, which was like a big Boston band in the okay. 70s. Um, so anyway, the girl was like, so what? She's like, what do you do? I said, oh, I'm, a, I'm a drummer. And she was like, really? And the guy in the back, he's like, you're a drummer? He goes, oh, I got a gig coming up. Do you want to play with me? And I was like, all right. How so around Mickey Clean? So what would you have done random. otherwise? This is for Mickey <laughs> so he literally is like, I have a gig at the Middle East. I have no band. Will you put the band together? So I called a couple of friends. We got together. It was fucking atrocious. Right. One of the worst gigs I've ever played. <laughs> I mean, it, it, the whole thing was just a, just a, a train wreck. Yeah, it was just a train wreck. And it was like r- around Thanksgiving. Was he the singer? He was singing and playing guitar and... He was just, I think he was like maybe schizophrenic or so, there was something off with him. You right. Know what I mean? Yeah. Or he was just a drug addict. I don't know. Yeah. But um, it was just, it's so bizarre. <laughs> but that was how I met Chris. So we so we played this. He was this, at that gig? He was at that gig. And, oh. he, and it was, it must have been like a open mind. Not so open in this, mind, end, in this atrocious thing, he's like. <laughs> But that drummer, though. <laughs> well, so after the after the gig, he came he came up to me. I think he played he played after us or played before us, just playing, you know, solo acoustic. And I remember like watching him and, and thinking like, oh, this guy's this guy's good. Like he's to to play for a crowd of people that don't know who you are with an mm. acoustic guitar and to capture people is pretty difficult. Yeah, even if you're you know well known and you're right. good at it. Right. So I remember thinking like, yeah, this, this is good. So he, he approached me and said, you know, uh, I have, the, I'm, I'm starting a band or I'm putting together this band. And he's like, I really enjoyed your drumming. You know, would you want to come, maybe come over and like hear some stuff and, and, and play with me? And I said, yeah, sure. So he, he gave me a demo tape, a cassette, of three songs. And I went home and I listened to it and I was like, this is incredible. I was blown away. It was so well produced and just great songs. Were these songs, songs that were just acoustic guitar and voice? No, they had full production on them. But And he had another guy that he was working with at the time who's still a very good friend of ours and toured with us too, a guy named Phil Brykos. So he kind of was like the production side of things. He played everything. And he mm. went, he, he was studying uh, engineering and stuff at Berkeley. Oh, nice. So... 
or product music production or something. So he produced these this demo and it was really good. And a couple of the songs we actually any little town was one of them, and we re-recorded that for for the record we made mm. for Capital. Um, <clears throat> but that's kind of how it started, mm. you know. And, and when was it? What kind of timeline year? This is nineteen ninety four. Or four, and when did your four. first album with the Push Dogs come out? Ninety-five. Okay, so it or was six, like ninety-six. So you kind of formed, and then within the next like few years, you had an album. Yeah, so we 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 started just playing around Boston, um, and it was really just Chris and I, and Phil was playing with us in the beginning, and then he kind of stopped doing it, <clears throat> and we went to Woodstock, New York, to record some demos with this guy Dan McLaughlin who later ended up being the, the bass player. So it was, okay. just, it was just Chris and I. We went out to Woodstock. Dan worked at this studio out there called Dreamland, which was like, you know... Pro. Was he doing like session guitaring? No, Dan is, was an, is an engineer. Oh, okay, so he was production. engineering. Gotcha. So he was like an assistant engineer, kind of house engineer. But also studio. plays bass. But also plays bass and piano. Gotcha. Well. And he can play guitar. Right. <clears throat> so... And he and, he and Chris, I don't, they knew each other kind of through mutual friends or something. They went to the same college, but at different times. Mm. But he had, he had known about Chris and her and, and had some time and wanted to record somebody. I don't know. I think he contacted him and was like, you know, I have this studio. Can you, if you have some songs you want to record, I'd love to record them. So he and I went out there and didn't have a bass player. And Dan ended up playing bass. And we recorded five demos. And I think all those songs... All the demos were on the first record, except for maybe mm. one of them. Is Woodstock far from Boston? Mm, like three hours. Oh, okay, so it wasn't hours. like a huge. Not, yeah, not that far. But it was it was cool. We just we stayed there for the weekend. We recorded for three days, and we just. And where did the push stars? The name was that a uh, thing at that point, or? No, it wasn't. Any, it wasn't anything yet. When I met Chris, and when I met Chris, it was originally called the Colored Lights. That oh, was him. It's kind of a nice name too. Yeah. Do they um, ever do anything under that? No. That's no, just that. That was it. Uh, just that one cassette. <laughs> 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 so what is the but push? Where did the, what the, did the push name? The push stars came from, I don't know, Chris came up with the name. I think he wanted a name that sounded like um, a band from the 50s. Hmm. Like mm-hmm. the Ink Spots or yeah, the, totally. the Moon Glows. Or, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, a band like that. He just, he, he has, sort of has an obsession with that era of time and mm-hmm. Frank Sinatra and just those kind of singers and stuff. Um, it's funny. He's nothing like that. But yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but he, yeah, he loves like, he, he would go through these phases of like different obsessions. One of them was Sam Cooke, then it was Elvis. And mm. Oh, very just, cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, he just kind of, I don't know if it was maybe from the Paul Simon song um, where he talks about all those bands and, um, the Orioles, the Moonglows, the uh, Renee and Georgia Magritte. I don't know if you know that song. I don't know that Sounds song. Sounds familiar, yeah. He's, Paul Simon's got a lot of songs. Yeah, he does. <laughs> I downloaded his like <clears throat> masterpiece experiential like 15 album like a greatest hits thing. Yeah. I've, I've had it on my phone for a while. I've been listening to it. Yeah. So many good songs. But Renee and Georgia Magritte is, is a song. Renee and Georgia Magritte. Magritte, yeah. Magritte. Um, it's a great song, but he talks about all that. So I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure exactly. His story was always like he got, he got called for a gig and he was paying bills and, you know, and he, you know, back in the back in the day, like when everything was like voice automated, you'd be like push one for this, push two, push star, you know, whatever. Yeah. So he said it was like that. But funny. I think that I think the real reason is, was he just wanted a name that sounded like an older name. So you got signed to an indie label. So we got signed to uh, Amago Records right. in 1996. and Which we, lasted until, what, like 98? Or I mean, it well, kind of like went out of business. Yeah, right? Amago kind of like, uh, they, yeah, they sort of folded. They lost their distribution. They were like affiliated as a major label and then they lost their distribution. And then Terry Ellis, who ran the company, found another distributor and then started it up again so we kind of were on the the remake of Imago oh okay so um, so we put out that record and started touring yeah you know Um, that's so fast and crazy was it exciting 
Yeah, I mean, it it was. It was, I mean, I was just, I was so young. I was probably 20. One what was the level two. of touring though? Were you like getting, getting, in, a getting in a van? We were just in like a piece of shit van. Getting in a van that that literally like was missing the gas pedal. From, oh my god! <laughs> yeah, so yeah, driving from the gig to gig. It was, it was like the, it was like this scary like clown van that you would you know what I mean? It was a black van with no power steering and was missing the gas pedal. It was just like a rod there that you use, and it was oh my and it was god. four of you. Uh, it was the three of uh, it was How three expensive could it have been to you put Danny a pedal on that rod? I mean, right? come on, I like know. some mechanic could have done that, I or know. you guys yeah, could have though, could have fashioned right? it yourself, probably. I know, right? Who was booking you on the gigs? How did um, you get that going? At that time, oh God, some label person? We, or, um, I don't, I don't remember. We, yeah, I think we. <clears throat> We maybe had an agent or our manager was helping us get gigs or something. We were doing kind of like, kind of local stuff. Like we'd yeah. go to New York City. I mean, the good thing about living in Boston is that nothing's too far. Totally. So we'd go to New York. We'd go to Rhode Island. We'd go. Well, Boston must be such a great Vermont. town for bands because there's so many colleges. Yeah. And then, then you can go to the that whole Amherst, UMass, you know, area, yeah. which uh, so many. Right. Bands and bars and totally. so it was kind of northeast centered yeah. kind totally. of touring yeah. situation. Yeah. And and in the meantime we we had we played this little bar in Boston called the Common Ground, which was this Irish bar. And when we started out there, it was basically just like drunk college kids and whatever. You know what I mean? We just <laughs> yeah, and we're playing original sure. music for you know, people who could give two shits about it. But and they're like free bird. Yeah, totally. <laughs> we don't know it. Here you go. <laughs> um, so we we started out there and we just like had kind of like a monthly gig, and it just started to build over time, you know. And by the end, I would say, but you know, probably by the end of the year, it was like a line down the block, and we would sell it out. And so you became locally really well known yeah. with a good Boston yeah. following. We, yeah, we built a following on our own. And that's kind of how we always pr- approached our career, was just grassroots. Yeah. Like, just keep going back and playing, coming back and playing. So how many albums did you record for that um, Amago? Amago, we just... Just that one record. I think we had... Because then the next one he did was for Capital. The next one right? was for Capital. So that was like a huge step up. That, was a, a, that was a game changer. Yeah. 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 And, and where, where did you... Say, where, I mean, I know there's capital down the block yeah. in Hollywood yeah. here, but um, is that where you signed yeah. with them? Yeah, so they, they flew us out here. Um, oh Cal- my God, you must have just been like, fuck, we're going to LA. Yeah, totally. Capital Records, no, this was like, you know, This is like back That's in the day. That's crazy. Like, where they were just, what a trip. They would just spend money like for... When the record yeah. business still existed. Yeah, totally. <laughs> they were just, I mean... They, so you came to LA and you were a hot band and they were signing you? Well, Did you feel like a rock star? I would have. D- no, I mean, I just, I, I was super excited. I, yeah, you know, It was totally. like something I'd always dreamed of doing and like, it, it was like, yeah, it was a dream come true to, to like be able to do what I love doing and... So recording for Capital, mm-hmm. a new record, how was that different than, was it more resources it was a, and... It was a lot slower process. Mm. Um, it was a lot more money. And it was... Um, Where did you record? We, rec- we, we started recording at this place called The Site, which is in Northern California in Marin County. And it was this incredible, beautiful studio. That was in the mountains. Like it's the only studio I've ever been in that actually has windows in it, mm. where you could see the outside. Oh wow! Yeah. And it was just overlooking this valley, and you lived there, and they and you had a chef, and it was like a chef. Yeah, that's you had amazing. a chef, and you, and you lived there. <laughs> oh my god, that's so cool. And this is like this. This will show you like um, how how far like the music business has come. Like so, we're a baby band. We're an unknown band, basically. Right. You know spending that kind of money to make a record and this is like a studio where you know after you sell a million records maybe you go record there right but wow. that's the kind of money that that the record that capital was time. spending at the time what was, which, this, which that what was that this was uh after the party right. and that's what precipitated your move to california no i didn't move to california until 
until um, after I stopped, stopped touring with the Push Stars. Mm. So it was sort of like a, I came out here to, to, to rebuild. So how many albums did you guys do? So we made one for Capital. We were about to make our second one with Rick Ocasek from The Cars. Oh my God. He, he was, was producing? He was going to produce the record. Oh, fantastic. And we had met with him a couple of times oh, and he oh, was no. like gung-ho on, on working with us. And we were super psyched. We're like, this is a great story. It's a Boston guy from a super great band and, you know, yeah. successful guy. And, um, he, you know, he really likes the demos and like, you know, we, it was, I was so excited and he booked time. We were going to go to Electric Ladyland and record the second record. And, um, Right when our record came, the, after the party came out on Capitol, the president at the time was this guy, Gary Gersh, and he got fired maybe a month or two after our album was out. And he was your champion there. Well, yeah, he was the one who, he, he, he and this you. guy, Steve Patch, signed us. So he was our, he was our guy. And he, before that, had been at, he was an A&R guy at Geffen, so, and he had signed The Counting Crows and Nirvana. And a Damn. couple other bands. So, and he was really championing for us. Like, we were going to be his next Counting Crows, I think. But So without him, it was basically like, we're starting, we're, we're, we're cleaning starting, shop. We're, we're, yeah, they fired everybody. Pretty right. much. Almost everybody. And then a new president came in, new people. We were assigned to a new A&R guy. And that guy actually had tried to sign us to Arista previously. So we knew him, and we were like, "Oh well, this is a good thing. At least we know him. Like he he knows and he had he liked likes you us. before. Yeah, um, but he decided that he wanted us to work with this other producer, and not Rick Ocasek. Not Rick Ocasek. Oh. And we met with this other guy, and it wasn't a wasn't a fit. It wasn't a click. And we were very confused why he wouldn't want us to work with Rick Ocasek. This is like a proven yeah, yeah totally, you know? exactly. And Unless time, you have a good rapport. Yeah, and at the time, he had just done like Weezer and he was like, you know, he was like a hot producer. So it just didn't make any sense. And we were like, what? So the president called our manager and said, look, if you guys don't want to make the record with this producer that we want you to make it with, then we're not going to make the record. So the three of us met and we were like, we don't want to do it with this guy. Mm -hmm. And so we asked to get out of our contract and they let us out of our contract. So we ended up, so we only made one record for Capital. Mm. <clears throat> and then we tried to get signed to another major label, but it was very difficult because it's sort of the kiss of death when you put out one record on a major and it doesn't sell a lot mm. everyone's kind of like oh, you know they're afraid to sign you yeah. so so we signed with another I think we put out all basically like all the songs that we had demoed for the second record we put out um, with like an Indian Wicked Disc which was part of Newbury Comics in Boston mm. so we had some distribution with that and it you know did you have a bigger following at that point? Like, had you done any touring that was like, yeah. larger scale? Yeah, I mean, we had we had toured with like, God, who did we play with back then? We we did a bunch of like one-offs with different bands, mm -hmm. but we mm -hmm. did like a tour with Julian Lennon. We had toured with him. Mm -hmm. oh, nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which was fun. That's awesome. Um, a band called The Samples that was kind of big at that time. They were on A and M. Um, and we had, we had kind of gotten out there, but we had gotten a lot of placement in TV and film. Yeah, I mean, at some point, That's the Farrelly brothers yeah. um, be, became fans and put your music in Something About Mary yes. and other films. Yeah, they did. Something About Mary was the first one. And then they, um, and then they what else was it? Me, Myself, and Irene was another. Mm -hmm. I think Say It Isn't So. I don't know. At least three or three of their movies. Oh, Shallow Hell. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, yeah. they use our. They put our T-shirt in that one. But I mean, it was, <laughs> we did. We did like the cover song. But that. that that's very like them. I mean, they have yeah. people. They have actors that recur, and they're big Boston guys. Oh yeah. I've met them at the Nantucket Film Festival. Yeah. They're always great there. guys. Um, but really good guys. Yeah. Um, and they like supporting local totally. Boston, Massachusetts yeah. artists. Totally. Um, so I, I'm not surprised, but that's fun. Yeah, so that, you know, that was cool. Make a little money from that. Yeah. And, um, when did the push stars kind of come to a close? Um, 
Well, let's see. I moved out here in 2002. Mm-hmm. Um, Were you in a relationship for any of this? Are you married now? I'm married. You've got married. a ring on. So uh, yeah, figured. yeah, I'm married. Yeah. Um, <laughs> with kids, right? With kids. I have twins, yeah. yeah. Twins. How old are they? They're seven. Oh, my God. Cool. Seven. Boys, girls. Boy and girl. Roxy and Leo. Oh. Yeah. Boy and girl. Roxy yeah. and Leo. Those yeah. are great names. God, when you have a yeah. twin boy and twin girl, like, that's perfect. It's like, we're done. Oh, they get along. exactly what we need. Yeah, they're best friends. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. my God. They should be. They should start their own rock band, Roxy and Leo. Do they oh my God. Is like... um, <laughs> they, they, they don't really play any instruments yet, but they definitely love music, and they... They do they appreciate you perform? Ever? They've seen me perform a couple of times. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's actually they just started a new school um, here in Hollywood, mm-hmm. and every every Friday they do something called Sing, where the whole school gets together and the music teacher has kids come up and play perform. Mm. So like kids in the school are you know playing drums and playing bass and playing mm. keyboards and singing. It's kind of it's amazing. Um, so the first. One was not yesterday, but a week ago, Friday. And I know the music teacher there really well. So he had me come up and um, just like kind of help. I was just like playing percussion with the with the band, but they were very impressed by that. The kids. That oh, is so your kids were very impressed. Oh, oh my God, cool dad on the scene. Dang, yeah. that's so funny. My dad was a firefighter growing up, and he would come to the schools and teach fire prevention. <laughs> so that was my dad coming to class. Type were you situation. impressed? Yeah. <laughs> also, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. I like that. Like, hey, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Awesome. But so, yeah, but eventually you did. Uh, you opened for Matchbox Twenty. Yeah. So. So you moved here two thousand two. So I moved here two thousand two. We basically kind of had stopped touring at that point. Um, we had. I can't remember what I can't remember what the last record we made before that. But so I was out here, and I you know I was just. I, I didn't want to be in Boston anymore. We weren't working that much. I did, couldn't stand the winter, and I oh, just God. needed to change. Yes. Yeah, yes. and I'm like, I if I, if I want to continue to do this as a career, I'm either going to go to New York or Boston. Right. And I, I mean, or LA. New York or LA. Right. And I've always wanted to live here. Well, if you're done with the winter in Boston, New York is no better. Really, yeah. So. I mean, I was done with the winter. When I think when I was three years old. Did you move here alone? Yeah, actually, uh, I moved out here with Dan, our bass player. Mm. So we drove out uh, in the U-Haul and took about four or five days to get here. And I knew I um, we had one friend who lived here, and I didn't even have. Oh, I was staying. Our our tour manager at the time um, was living out here, Mm. so I stayed with him. I didn't like. I didn't even have. I think I, I. I think when I got here, I literally had like 200 bucks. No, I was like broke. Wow. No job, yeah. nothing, had nothing going on. But I just was like, I, I can't take it here. I'm going to, mm. I just can't take being here anymore. And I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I don't, if I want to play drums, like I got to be in LA, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So I came out here, I got a job and. What'd you get? What was your job? I was working at this place called Drum Doctors. And it was like a, a cartridge company. That's good. You always kept your jobs kind of musically yeah. kind of oriented. So basically... So you were fixing people's drums and No, stuff. I was delivering drums to studios. Mm. And for a lot of the session drummers in LA. So all these guys that I grew up like listening to as a kid or admiring or seeing them in, you know, the modern drummer magazine or whatever, like I was taking their drums and setting them up at studios. And just, I, I got to know the city really well. Mm-hmm. And... I I think I've I think I've been to almost every recording studio in Los Angeles. That's wow. so cool. Yeah. That's such a great like yeah. first job to come to the city and have. Yeah. Where so, were you living? Uh, I was living right here in Beachwood. Oh oh yeah. well. <laughs> Cats out of the no. bag. Right. We're somewhere in right. well, <laughs> close to close. We to always try to. It's funny because we always try to keep our like uh, well, identity We didn't. About we didn't we mention the address. <laughs> oh, okay. And well, we're slowly getting closer every podcast episode. It's like they're gonna eventually. It's, they'll find out. Right over here at Beachwood, Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. See, so, that's a great area to live in. Yeah. When you move so here too. I, when I and when I got here, I had been I had been dating this girl kind of off and on, um, for a long time. She lit, She moved out here, and when I got here, we ended up getting back together. 
So that was another thing in the back of your mind, like, well, maybe that'll happen. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I was She was living in Santa Barbara at the time, but uh-huh. when I got here, we 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 you know started dating again, and then and that's we, who's you're now your wife. No, no. Oh no, no. Oh, okay. that yeah. ended. That yeah. ended. Yeah. yeah. About yeah, maybe ten months later. Okay, okay. Well, that, yeah. happened. Well, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. yeah. And then I met my wife. Then you met your wife. Yeah. Soon after, or very soon after. And I actually met her through this woman, Anna Warker, who I was playing with, which was the first gig I got here. So while I was doing that job, I ran into a friend of mine from Boston, this guy, Steve Hurley, who was in a band called the Jiggle Ants. Jiggle Heads? Jiggle Ants. Jiggle Ants. Ants. (laughs) Yeah. And they were a big Boston band uh, at the time. So he had been living out here, and he was playing with this woman, Anna Warker. And he said that, you know, he's like, oh, she's auditioning drummers. You know, do you want to audition? I said, yeah, sure. So I did. And I got the gig and I started playing. What do they her. do when you audition? You're just like, hey, do some stuff on the drums? Yeah, no, just learn, learn some of her songs. Mm. And, and then play with play. her. Yeah, play yeah. with her. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Sure. I've done many auditions for many bands here. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but at some point, not too long after that, the you must have regrouped. Yeah, so in, in 2004... We recorded another record out right. here. Oh, and did Chris move out to at that point? No, he still lives in Boston. Oh, okay. And Dan actually, he only lived. Dan only lived here for about a year, and then he moved back to. He can't really live without that Boston adulation. He right. probably gets stopped on the street in Boston. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you met your wife through the. Through yeah. So I met her through um, through Anna. What does your wife do? She's a psychologist. Oh, that's amazing. That's cool. Yeah, so she's I think, talks to people all day. Yeah, for sure. She I has think her it would be good to date a psychologist. She, she must be people. so good at uh, communicating. We never go to bed angry. Oh, that's so great. Even I, though I, I want to sometimes, <laughs> she won't let me. She won't have it. No, she won't have it. No, she won't have it. I could. Are you we a hothead or are you pretty... No, you not... You seem very low-key. Not, not usually, you know. But, some, you know, everybody has a has a breaking point. Yeah. And so there's sometimes, you know, you just... You get into it and... But was no matter doing, what it is... Was she practicing psychology when you and met at the time? Or? Yes, she was. She was, well... She was getting her, like, hours. So she had been through mm. school and stuff. She was getting her hours doing it. Like practitioner or yeah. work type yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. To like so, an internship somewhere. Yeah. I mean, she was seeing she, patients. She but... was seeing patients and she had a supervisor. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, so. Yes. But we met at Amoeba Records. You did? Yeah. Oh, really. I love it. I'm, I thank God it's still open. I, I, know, I don't know how place. long it can continue. I but. Know. Uh, it's such time. a great, great They seem store. to be able to have a lot of other merch and stuff and kind of, it's a thing. They do have they, they, they have, they have yeah. people play there. Yeah, that's I mean, how we met. We definitely bring, bring people in there. I didn't know they had it in-store. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. I gotta go check one out. Yeah, it's they, cool. Yeah. Where do they perform in the store? In the back, like when you walk in all the way at the back, there's mm-hmm. a stage and people set up there. And they I guess I haven't walked all the way to the back. It's pretty big. It's huge. Well, all the way to the back, too, is like upstairs is like classical and I've been upstairs. Stuff. Yeah. And they, they have all the videos and stuff. Yeah, yeah. There, yeah. yeah. I just took our, my kids there the other day for the first time. Did you tell her that's where they were blown you away? Mom, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They were so like, cute. they were like, really? <laughs> They're like, where did you meet? Was she shopping for records? I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so you were both there to see who were you there to see? So I was playing with Anna, and she came to see Anna. Oh, she came to see. Oh, yeah. oh, that makes sense. So she and Anna were yeah, good. Friends. So, um, do you continue to play with Anna? Um, Anna doesn't really. Is she a solo artist? She is. Yeah, she had a she had a band called That Dog. That was, um, they were on Warner Brothers in the 90s. But she does mostly um, musicals and stuff now. Like she writes musicals. And oh, that's she, awesome. Yeah, and she's, um, although that dog recorded a record recently, like maybe a year ago. I don't know if it's out yet, but she's, but we, I haven't played solo with her since then. Mm, you know, okay. we, just, we did, I basically did one tour with her. She had put out a solo record and you know that was it and but yeah. we kept in touch and we're still friends and yeah and uh so you so you recorded that next album with with push stars and then yeah. somehow came to the attention of rob thomas and and what's his name the other guy 
The, you replaced as drummer, uh, Doucette. Oh, Paul Doucette, yeah. Paul, I can forget yeah. his first name. Mm-hmm. Paul Doucette. So, yeah, so we so we made this record out here in 2004. The producer uh, was a guy, a friend of ours named Greg Collins, and he had just produced or engineered the the Matchbox 20 record on... No, that's the that's one, one I you on. did. Yeah, oh, that's... but it was the, it was the last studio record that they made before. The, like two thousand two album. Yeah, I can't, I can't think what it's called. But he he did that that record, and he just passed along our record to Rob after we had finished it, and Rob really took a liking to it and called us up and said, you know, we have these like three weeks of dates. Would you guys be interested in? coming out and playing with us we're like yeah sure that was in 2004 that was 2004 so or five maybe. what kind of venues was this like big arenas this is arenas yeah, yeah. was yeah. that the biggest the push stars had so your first time first performing, performing that was in... our first time playing arenas yeah 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 opening and so what was that like it was amazing it was crazy what was the you first know? one was your heart like was um, it nerve-wracking or you've done no, it so long I, it was... no i i don't really ever get like nervous playing mm-hmm. like Day. I get more nervous when there's three people than there's like a hundred thousand mm. people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but the first the first show, God, I can't remember where it was, but it was it was a super fun run, and mm-hmm. you know we had a great time, and it was it was great for us. And at that time, they were they were all going to take a break from the band Matchbox Twenty was after mm-hmm. this tour. And Rob was going to make a solo record, and they were going to do different things. So Paul... That's when he did his thing with Santana. Santana, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. And then, so Paul Doucette uh, lived here in L.A., and he was also going to make a solo record. And he asked me if I would play on it. He liked my drumming and asked me if I would play. So I, you know, we did that, and I, he had a band called The Break and Repair Method, and so we, I toured with him a little bit doing that. And then, I don't know, in 2007, uh, Matchbox was going to get back together. They were going to put out a greatest hits record. And they wanted to record some new material. So Paul asked me to come play on that stuff. So I ended up playing on like six songs for that record. It was just an EP. And it was like an EP combined with... With the greatest hits. Gotcha, yeah. Um, and you worked on those that EP portion of the yeah release. so the so all those, the new material the, all the new material I played on that um, were you helping composing or I mean no just 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 like they kind of knew what they wanted same just I, I mean like they were still kind of writing the songs they they had rough demos and stuff mm-hmm. but we just kind of got in the studio and started playing yeah you just came yeah. up with it so it yeah. kind of organically kind yeah. of all came together yeah. that's awesome and one of the songs which became a hit for them. Um, how far we've come. Mm-hmm. Paul and I both played on that track together. Oh, so that both was drumming. Cool. Yeah. Dual drummers. Dual drumming. That's which was awesome. cool. I had never done that before. Yeah. Yeah. So that was fun. Um, and then I went out and did that that tour with him, the Exile Mainstream tour. Mm-hmm. So, and that was, you know. How many dates was that like? Uh, I think we did maybe 40 dates or. And was that in around it was the all country, over the around world. the world? Yeah, so we did a U.S. tour, then we went to Australia, and then we went to Europe. That's awesome. crazy. What yeah, a it was trip. Amazing. And Australia, Matchbox Twenty is like so popular; it's crazy. <laughs> They're like, I couldn't believe it. It was just I could not believe how it's funny. Well known they were Australia's there. got some weird like pink is yeah, huge there. Totally. I went there and it was all pink, 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 yeah. pink. Which pink's I mean obviously huge here, but yeah. it's funny how sometimes certain bands or certain yeah. performers will really pop resonate, yeah. In yeah. a certain place. Totally. So um, yeah, so we so I, that was that so was we, a cool experience. Was it a year or a few months? It was let me see, we started doing like it was kind of a weird thing because we, it all started with doing promo stuff. So my actual first show with the band was in Boston. Oh, that's that so was the funny. only time that's I can say of... I was actually really, I was nervous playing. Mm-hmm. Like before getting on stage, I was... Did you have friends? My whole family was there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the band hadn't played together in like eight years or something. They hadn't done a show. It was like a really weird 
situation to be in. Because it like here I am, a guy just coming in, joining this chemistry of guys that have known each other, you know, since their early twenties. Mm-hmm. So there and playing with the former drummer like, yeah. on stage. Right. <laughs> so now, yeah, now he's playing guitar. And you're playing his part. His part, you know? yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah. weird. It was, yeah. The whole thing was just kind of like, whoa, this this is happening. <laughs> but I remember this like, is quote, happening. to quote the name of the show. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So I got I remember like it was a radio show and there was a bunch of other bands playing. And it wasn't like a normal show where you get time to like sound check and get your sound together and get everything together. It was kind of what you just call a throw and go. You just get up there and like hope for the best. Right. Figure it out when yeah. you've got time. And that was like the comeback in my first show with the band, you know. So I was I was definitely nervous. How'd it go? For me, it went great. They were totally, they were like, we walked off stage and the rest of the guys were like so pissed. Like with this was wrong and that was wrong. But, but I it had nothing like, to do with you. No, you nothing to do with it. Like, and I just was like, we, I got through it. We got through it. It was, <laughs> it was great. But they were just complaining about like technical things, you know. Like, sure, you know, sure. Just, and I'm sure that they've had some iron stuff out. things yeah. together at yeah. certain points. That yeah, and it wasn't like we really had a ton of rehearsal to like just get it, get a mesh going. Yeah, get yeah. it where we wanted it. And, and and Paul was still like kind of learning his parts. You right. Know what I mean? Because right. he had, he was you know playing a different instrument. Now. And this was pre still pre your kids. Yeah, yeah. That makes it easier. Yeah, and I think I was maybe just got married. I've been married maybe a year. Okay. Yeah. So, um, did you record more with them? Um, no, I did. I just did that one record with them, did that tour, and then I did kind of like some. You know, one-off shows here and there for the. I mean, they two are very on and off. Yeah, yeah. Um, The last record they made was in two thousand twelve, or two thousand eleven. It came that came out in two thousand twelve, and Paul played on that record. Oh, okay. So So he went back back to to being a drummer. Gotcha. Yeah, and I think ultimately they always wanted Paul to be the drummer. They didn't really, they didn't want to have another. They were indulging him when he was like, I'm done with the drums. No, like, I mean, fine, play guitar. You're not very good at it. But fine. <laughs> no, he is. He actually is. He's, Paul's one of those guys that he's, he, like, whatever he plays, he's, he's just good a at musical. It. Yeah, and, he was, and he's the front man for his own band. Well, he had, a, he had a band called The Breaking Repair Method, yeah, mm-hmm. where he sang and played, mostly played piano, sometimes yeah. guitar. But yeah, he can write and sing and play every instrument. He's one of those guys. That's, That's really great. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, but I think that, you know, there's, there's something that happens when you're in a band and the chemistry, you know, where when you switch up one member, it changes everything. It's a different band. It's a different band. Yeah. And they were very used to Paul being the drummer and him playing those parts. And Paul and I couldn't be more opposite in terms of how we play. Um, so it was hard for me to kind of emulate what he did. Mm -hmm. Um, we're just different players, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So the stuff that like... I recorded with them, not a problem. But his parts and his things and the way he did it was very different than right, how I did cause it. Right, because you, I mean, if you're touring and you're playing their songs, yeah. you, you want to recreate like the, the, yeah. the sound. Yeah. You know, with like modifying it a little bit because right. it's live, but yeah. still. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, I, I, did, I did my best for that and it was fun. I mean, we had a great time. It a great experience. Yeah, it was amazing. It, it was, was it was a life, good gig life for changing. you, a nice yeah. paycheck. Oh my god, it was incredible. You know, like how great. All the things that I'd ever dreamed of doing as a kid happened doing that, you know. Yeah. Playing Madison Square Garden. Oh my god. Going course. to Australia. I'd, I'd always wanted to go to yeah. Australia. And, and, going, got, and going to Australia with like massive fans. Like yeah. being a re, like real rock star experience. Yeah, that's yeah. a great way to go to Australia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that, I, I mean, it was so I spoiling. Like, that's so exactly spoiling. like, you know, I have this thing I say which is just ludicrous, but like people who said like are you gonna go to Coachella I, and I used to say like no I'll only go to Coachella if I can go with Prince if uh-huh. he's performing like, <laughs> if Prince will take me in a helicopter right but Prince is dead now so that's yeah. not gonna happen uh, you can't and I didn't know Prince but that was my, that was my <laughs> that vision that was gonna happen that was my vision of how I wanted to go to Coachella that was like when you said I'll go fly to New York when you're in a show with Vanessa Redgrave and then somebody was in a show with <laughs> Vanessa Redgrave and you flew to New York to see it yeah yeah that was Jesse Eisenberg yeah I, that, I, that was my I became my go to when people said will you come see me in this show I, I would say 
is Vanessa Redgrave in it? And they <laughs> would say, no. Say, That's my I'm, rule. I'm yeah. sorry. sorry. She's gotta be I just know too many actors who invite me to the worst thing. Right. So, so the push stars are back. Yeah, so um, last, last year, last July, a year ago July, actually, yeah, a year ago July, we recorded a new record. And we went down to, you mentioned earlier, Big Star. We oh, went, yeah. We went down to Memphis. And we recorded in Memphis. And Jody, the drummer for Big Star, Jody Stevens, is the manager of, of the studio we worked at. And he played on, we had him play a tambourine on one track. Yeah, I mean, uh, when Wait, I was listened... Uh, in Texas? He was a drummer of a band called Big Star. Mm. When I listened, what, what made you record there? Sorry, I'm interrupting you. No, that's okay. I, when I, I was just saying, when I listened to the Push Stars, uh-huh. I, you know, which is a band that started in the 90s, it reminded me of some other 90s bands, yeah. like Big Star, mm-hmm. like Alex Chilton, like mm-hmm. some other, you know, um, things I'd heard. Right, yeah. And I think they're great. So, speaking of, yeah. let's hear a little bit of an unreleased track from your upcoming album. Okay. Yeah, let's do uh, it. Let's play. I don't know which I don't know what which track to play because they're all they're all very they're all very different. Play whatever comes. I'll to play, you. I'm gonna play. This is kind of like a more mellow one. What's it called? Uh, it's called "I Wrote a Song for You." Oh, oh that's how nice! How sweet! <laughs> Thanks. Um, <laughs> I like it when someone writes a song for me. Yeah, but there is a, there is a backstory to why we went to Memphis and to record. Oh and no! It, and it's tied to Al Green. Tied to Al Green. Yeah, but I can tell I can tell you after I play it. Okay, yeah, let's, let's, let's play the song. Let's play this. Let's
Um, I love that. It's so beautiful. It's such a beautiful song. I mean, I, I mean this as a compliment. It reminds me a little bit of Coldplay. Yeah. It's a little bit more piano driven. I love Coldplay. Than, um, than your um, other stuff, which yeah. was very jangly guitar, mm-hmm. yeah. 90s rock totally. stuff. But like, oh my God, I love that. It's nice. just beautiful. Yeah, it's a little haunting and too. Yeah. Very haunting. Mm-hmm. Like Jess Carell. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um, what you know what I like too about that is like you know he's lived you know mm-hmm. um, you can hear his like experience in, mm-hmm. in his voice you yeah. know and you guys all have grown up together and now yeah. you're like you came together in your early 20s right you know mm-hmm. and now it's um, a couple decades later yeah and um, and you can hear that, you mm-hmm. know, like the his, the history mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. What made you pick that song? Um, I don't know. It's just there's something about lyrically. It just it always kind of dra- draws me in. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's beautiful. And, yeah, and your playing is great. Thank you. Like Thanks. you guys all sound really good. Thank you. It's the three of you still same yeah. three. Yeah, still just the three of us. Yeah. Yeah. So what? Why? Why did Al Green bring you to Memphis? So how did that happen? So for Chris's birthday. Um, he wanted to go, this was two years ago, I think now, he wanted to go to Memphis for his birthday, just to like, go and visit Graceland and visit Sun Studios Mm -hmm. and all that stuff. Yeah. And we had done all that, like back when we were touring, like we had, we had been there and seen all that stuff. The plane. I like the plane. Yeah. The Lisa Marie. Yeah. 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 We did that. (laughs) Um, At Graceland. Yeah, and just and he wanted to stay at the Peabody Hotel, which is a very famous hotel there in Memphis. And, oh yeah, nice. And yeah, and so um, we went for the weekend, and and I guess I don't know. He must he put something up on social media saying social media saying like, is there anything fun to do in Memphis? And someone wrote in, oh, you should go to you know Reverend Al Green's church. Mm. <clears throat> so we did that. I didn't even know that Al Green lived there. Or, had a church there and we went there on the sun on the sunday that we were there and it was jaw-droppingly mind-blowing and he just leads wow. he leads a church service yeah. and sings and he's a pastor just like uh and he just sings the entire service and i mean it is like his voice is inc- it's Perfect. Oh, I mean, Al Green, come on. It's perfect. Nothing's changed. Incredible. Stay together. Yeah. You know, I mean, he like, doesn't do any, Obviously not. Doesn't he's do any he's doing songs. more like he's know, doing Amazing Grace. Or, yeah. But know. his voice is perfect, and his band is amazing. And the whole experience was just... It was like one of the best musical experiences I've ever encountered. How moving. I mean, did you find yeah. Jesus? I found something. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it, it brought me to tears. Yeah, oh yeah, for God. sure. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just that sounds amazing. And just seeing like, I mean, there was people from all over the place there. You know, I mean, all over the world that come, mm-hmm. and then the people that just go to that church, you know, dressed up in their Sunday best and bring tambourines and speaking in tongues and I mean everything you can think of. Was it a huge church? In a Baptist church. Uh, it's not huge. It's, you know, it's a decent sized church. Makes me want to go to Memphis. But Dang, I, I mean, see a service. I mean, how much longer is he going to be doing this? I know, he's 72 now. Yeah. Wow. Um, I highly recommend it. I mean, it's, I, I couldn't believe it. And we went, so after the, after the service, um, I, I went over to talk to the guy who was playing keyboards. Uh, his, his name is Brandon Gaddy. And, I was just telling him, like, you know, that it was incredible and, you know, what a what an amazing experience. And, you know, he asked why we were there. And I said, well, you know, we're here for my friend. It's his birthday. We're musicians, too. And I said, you know, I think we're thinking about actually maybe making a record down here. Um, maybe I could get your number if, you know, if we needed keyboards. Would you be mm-hmm. interested at all? And he was like, yeah, sure. He gave me his number. And I... We exchanged info and kind of just left it at that. And as we were, le- what we were leaving, driving back to the, to the city, he called me. And he was like, um, he's, he's such a character, this guy. You know, he's like, got a real slow kind of like, talks like this. And he's, like, <laughs> he's like, yo, Ryan, Brandon. <laughs> I was like, what's up, Brandon? 
He's like, yo, man, I checked out them push dogs. Yeah, I ate. <laughs> That's what he said. I was like, yeah. He goes, yeah, man, I sound good. So I was like, thanks. So we ended up having lunch later that, that afternoon. And uh, we just kept in touch. And Reverend Al Green wants to do a song with you, cats. Yeah, I know, seriously. We, 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 well, we were, we were trying to get, make that happen. Well, he would, like, we, so when we came back, we booked this, you know, booked studio time at Arden. We were there for a week. I called him. He came in one day. He played on one tune. And then I was like, do you know any horn players? Because we wanted a horn song. Do you know any, like, when you, we want to do, like, a gospel choir and a couple tunes? So he just was started coming back every day. And he would bring different people, and they would play. And they were all these, like, Memphis players so that, that were just was that, that gospel, was that gospel in that yeah yeah I was like yeah. a gospel choir singing on that too that's so there's so we have horn so it's a very some different, of those people sing with Reverend Al regularly or no maybe um, well he he plays with I mean he's his musical director so he plays keyboards with, with all with sorts of people and, yeah yeah, yeah uh, every week but the, no those are mostly like uh, friends of his or people that he knows musicians maybe some of them do perform with Al sometimes at yeah. the church yeah but all of them were just like amazing and just brought a totally different flavor to what we were doing, you know. That's so exciting. Does the album have a name? It's called Three Feet in the Air. Three Feet in the Air. Yeah. And is it, when are you aiming to put it out? Um, it is, I think actually we just got them pressed, the CDs pressed, because we did a Kickstarter to do this project. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to be available, I think, within the next month. Okay. Oh, yeah. perfect. So we don't we don't have like a release date for when it'll be like on iTunes mm-hmm. and all that stuff, but I would say sometime in October, early October. Okay. By the time this thing comes out, maybe it'll be just we, right around. Hopefully, that time. we will actually be able to put the date in like a Facebook yeah. or Instagram post. Okay. Or cool. Like that. Yeah. Um, but that that would be uh, that's so exciting. The yeah. Push stars are back. Yeah, it is. It is exciting. And I love that. That's a great new direction. I love that song. Thank you. Yeah. Thank How you. many songs are on the album? Uh, there's twelve songs. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Are you gonna tour? You think with it? I don't know. I mean, I'd like to. But yeah. We'll just have to see. You it's know. One thing at a time. Yeah. See yeah. what happens. You know, because we're all everybody has a family and everybody's. Yeah. I mean, Chris still tours a ton on his own. Just as a solo artist mm-hmm. um, and we you know if we can do it yeah I would I would like to because I'm proud of this record and to me it's one of the best if not the best record that we've made you know from like you said we've matured a lot in 20 years mm-hmm. and brought all of our experiences together at a much later time so it wasn't like we were making consecutive records over time and it felt very different this, yeah. this time around it sounds different yeah um, thank you well, Ryan, thank you so much yeah, for joining us. Thank, thank you. you. Loved having you on and talking and to it's, you. Yeah, it's like, it's good. You know, it's nice for us to mix it up. It can't all be drag queens, Nathan. You guys have never seen me dressed up. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, okay, sure. Then we, we the next time we have you on. Secret drag queens. Uh, yes, thank you so much. And listeners, thanks so much again You know, for listening. Uh, feel free to give us a five star rating or don't bother. Comment, let us know what you think, tell your friends. Email us at. Send us an email at this is happening the podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Um, thank you. Bye. Thanks. Thank you.